21st Precinct, Sergeant Waters. Now, how bad is she hurt? Yeah? Yeah? And what floor is that on? Did you see any strangers go up to the ninth floor? You are in the muster room at the 21st Precinct, the nerve center. A call is coming through. You will follow the action taken pursuant to that call from this minute until the final report is written in the 124 room at the 21st Precinct. All right, the officers will be right over there. Now, don't worry about calling the ambulance. That's all taken care of. Okay, thanks. 21st Precinct. It's just lines on a map of the city of New York. Most of the 173,000 people wedged into the nine-tenths of a square mile between Fifth Avenue and the East River wouldn't know if you asked them that they lived or worked in the 21st. Whether they know it or not, the security of their homes, their persons, and their property is the job of the men of the 21st Precinct. The 21st, 160 patrolmen, 11 sergeants, and four lieutenants of whom I'm the boss. My name is Kennelly, Frank Kennelly. I'm captain in command of the 21st. I was working my day tour, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. The day was hot and muggy, and fortunately things were quiet in the precinct. I had been on patrol of the precinct in sector car number 5. Shortly before 10 a.m., a call came over the radio concerning an injured woman, ambulance responding, at 781 East 68th Street. We were near the scene, and I told Patrolman Farrell to make the run. Sector car number 3 and the sergeant's car had both arrived before us. The ambulance was not yet there. Patrolman Meister had been posted on the sidewalk to keep curious pedestrians moving. He told me that the woman, apparently the victim of a felonious assault, had been found on the bedroom floor of apartment 9G. I instructed Farrell to remain on the sidewalk with Meister. Inside, I took the elevator to the ninth floor and walked down the hall where I saw Patrolman Coley standing in front of the open door to apartment 9G, obtaining information from several of the neighbors. Just a minute, just a minute. What's your name, lady? Oh, hello, Captain. Coley? Where's Sergeant Waters? He's inside there, Captain, on the phone in the kitchen. Okay. Now, what did you say your name was? Oh, uh, Coley, where's the kitchen? Oh, right in through that door, Captain. Okay, thanks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're waiting for them, Lieutenant. Oh, hello, Captain. Sergeant. And check on that ambulance, would you, Lieutenant? It's not here yet. Okay. Yes, sir. Well, what do we got, Sergeant? A lady. Mrs. Adrian Nuffield. Age 37. Yeah. Husband's been away for three days. Came home, found her stretched out on a bedroom floor. Looks like she got hit hard on the head. Mm-hmm. There was an electric iron along by the side of the body. Apparently, there was a little bit of a struggle. A chair tipped over and a table and a... Oh, and a curtain was pulled down. Well, where's the husband? He's sitting out in the living room, Captain. Did you get the detectives over here? Yes, sir. That, I, that was what I was just ringing in about. They're on the way. How is she? Bad? Yes, sir. Looks pretty bad to me. All right, let's go have a look. Yes, sir. The uh, husband had been away for three days, huh? Yes, sir. On a business trip. What's all he said? Sergeant, where's the ambulance? Why isn't it here? It's on the way, Mr. Nuffield. It should have been here already. I just called again, Mr. Nuffield. I'd like to go in there to, uh... I'd like to see if there's anything I can do. We're doing all that can be done until the ambulance gets here, Mr. Nuffield. I think you'd better just sit right here. Oh, uh, this is Captain Kennelly, Mr. Robert Nuffield. Mr. Nuffield? Hello, Captain. I'd like to go in there and see what I can do. Well, I think it would be better for you and for her if you sat right here, Mr. Nuffield. All right. 
All right, if you say so, Captain. Yes, I say so. Okay, Sergeant. Yes, sir. In there, Captain. Okay. This is where the husband said he found her. Right here, just about in front of the window. Who moved her? Did he? Yes, sir, he said he did. Said he picked her up and put her on the lounge there. Oh, uh, that's the electric iron there, Captain. He said he didn't touch that, lying right where it is. There's the curtain pulled down, and that's the chair that was broken there, and, and the table. He said he left them just like they were, too. Looks like a head injury. Whether it was the iron, you can't tell. Well, don't touch the iron. No, sir. Nobody did. Oh, uh, she's going to have a hard time making it, I think. Uh-huh. Who did the husband call? He called the building super on the house phone. He asked him to send an ambulance or a doctor. Uh-huh. You know, they got these house phones. The doorman answered downstairs. He rang it in. Any uh, strangers around this building this morning? No, sir. The super's out there in the living room. He said there hasn't been a soul around here that didn't belong here. Oh, well, uh, that must be the ambulance. Yeah, let's, let's go out and talk to the husband and uh, the super of the building. Yes, sir. You two stay on a job here. Yes, sir. Okay, sir. No strangers around the building this morning. No, sir. Not according to the super. Uh, that's the super there. John Hillis. Uh, well, let's talk to the husband. Yes, sir. Captain, how is she, my wife? Is she all right? Well, we'll know in a minute, Mr. Nuffield. That was the ambulance that just got here. Yes, I heard it. Uh, we'd like to get this straight, Mr. Nuffield. We'd like to, uh, well, we'd like to have you answer a few questions if you feel up to it. Oh, sure, if you want. Have you any idea how this happened? No, I don't. I just came in and I found her there. Found her on the floor. I, uh, I understand you were away for a couple of days. Yes, I, I was away three days. I was away in Buffalo on business. What kind of business are you in, Mr. Nuffield? I'm in the textile business, heavy fabrics, industrial fabrics. Is your office in New York? Yes, downtown. I see. Uh, when did you leave New York? Well, it was Monday at midnight. I took the train from Grand Central Station. Had you been to the office during that day? Yes, I was there all day. And how did you spend the evening? Oh, I had dinner with my wife. We spent the evening in the apartment. Well, it was time for me to go to Grand Central, then I took a cab. What was she doing when you left home? Just getting ready to go to bed. Do you think she'll be all right, Captain? Do you really know? Well, the ambulance doctor will be up here in a minute, Mr. Nuffield. All right. You uh, spent three days on business in Buffalo. That's right, yes. What time did you leave Buffalo last night? Oh, it was early this morning, Captain, 1.20. Mm-hmm. Did you have Pullman accommodations? Yes, I, I had a bedroom. What time did the train get into Grand Central? It was quite late. It got in at 20 minutes after 10. And you came right home. Oh, yes, I, I always make it a practice to come home first before going to the office when I get in from a business trip. You see, the station is closer to my home. The office is way downtown. I find it better to come home and leave my bag and perhaps get cleaned up before I go downtown to the office. I see. Uh, do you know what time it was when you got into the building? Well, it was around 10.30. You don't happen to know exactly what time it was, do you? No. Did anyone see you come in, Mr. Nuffield? Well, yes. The elevator operator brought me up. Which elevator operator is that? Uh, Dan. Mm-hmm. And what happened after you got upstairs to the floor here? 
Well, I was carrying my bag. I rang the bell once or twice. And I figured Adrian was out shopping or something. She didn't answer. So I used my key to get in. I called to her. Then I came into the bedroom and I found her. All right. Let him through there. Okay. Let him through. Captain, that's the ambulance. Let him through. Okay, bring that stretcher over this way. It's in here. Where is it? In there, in the bedroom. We're probably going to need a hand. I'll be right with you. I'd like to go, too. No, I, I think you better stay here. Just sit down, Mr. Nuffield. She'll be taken care of. All right. You stay, sir, Captain. Yeah, all right. All right. Now open up the stretcher there. Where are you from, Doctor? Metropolitan. That was quite a blow on the head. Yeah. That's what it looks like. How's she doing? I can't tell much. Tell much at all. Pulse is quite slow. That's not good, huh? No. You uh, see any other injuries? No. Not that I can tell now. Better get her right in. All right. All right, roll around. Oh, okay, go on. We got it. All right, easy now. Easy, easy, easy. That's it. All right, ready? Yeah, okay. Okay, lift it. Easy, easy lift now. Put the on that end, will you? Yep. Okay. Watch it up there. Come through. Come through there. Watch it. There we go. Go on. Come through there. Get out of the way. Can I go with it? Oh, you can go over there later, Mr. Nuffield. I really should go now. I'd like to. I know how you feel, Mr. Nuffield, but uh, I think you better wait here for the detectives. The detectives? Yes, they should be here any minute. Well, I ought to go to the hospital and make arrangements for her. I can assure you she'll be well taken care of, Mr. Nuffield. Uh, listen, uh, do they still want me to stay around here? Well, who are you? I'm the super of the building, John Healy. Oh, yes. Well, uh, you better stay around for a while. I got a lot of work to do, Cat. The detectives will want to talk to you. Well, all right, if they want to talk to me. It's a tough break for her, Mr. Nuffield. It's a really tough break. Yes, it is. Uh, Mr. Healers, did you see Mr. Nuffield when he came home this morning? Huh? No, no, I didn't see him. I was down in my apartment there. I told you, Captain, the only one that saw me was Dan, the elevator operator. He brought me up. Yeah. Dan brought him up all right. Dan told me he did. Uh, Mr. Healers, did you see Mrs. Nuffield earlier today? No. No, I didn't see her at all. Did you see her last night or yesterday? No. Not that I remember. I don't remember seeing her. Did any of the employees of the building? Well, if they did, they didn't mention it to me. There wasn't any reason for them to mention it to me. How many employees of the building do you have? Well, there's me. That's one. Yeah. Uh, we got four elevator operators. You know, each works eight hours, and the fourth one swings on days off. And one and four, that's five. Yeah. And we got two doormen, that's seven. And, and we got uh, two maintenance men, that's nine. Uh, how does the house phone work? Doesn't anybody man that? Oh, no. No, that's just the house phones. You know, you pick up the phone out in the hall here, and it rings downstairs, and the doorman answers it when he's on duty there. Captain, do I really have to wait for the detectives? Can't I get over to the hospital and see how she is? You don't know how worried I am about her. I do know how worried you are, Mr. Nuffield. Hello, Captain. Oh, Matt. Hello. Goldman. Hello, Captain. Uh, Matt, this is Mr. Robert Nuffield, the husband of the victim, and uh, Mr. John Helis, the superintendent of the building. This Lieutenant King, commanding officer of the 21st Squad, and Detective Goldman. How, how do you? 
I hope your wife's going to be all right, Mr. Nuffield. I hope so, too. In there, Matt. In the bedroom. Yeah, I suppose we have a look. All right. Oh, uh, Hillis. Hmm? We should wait out here. All right, if you want. You come in with us, Mr. Nuffield. Okay. All right. I really would like to get over to the hospital. We'll get you there, Mr. Nuffield. That's the iron, hmm? Yeah, that's right, man. Do you recognize that iron as one that belonged in your household, Mr. Nuffield? Well, yes, I suppose it is. I really couldn't say for sure. I don't know. I never used the iron. Hmm. She was found right under that window, Matt. Yes, that's right where she was lying. Yes, I know. Sergeant Waters told me about it. So I'm out at the elevator. Uh, you picked her up from here and moved her over to the lounge. Is that right, Mr. Nuffield? Yes, that's right. I didn't want her on the floor. I wanted to get her up where it was comfortable. You've been out of town for three days? Yes, in Buffalo. And what time did you arrive home this morning? Well, it was around 10.30 sometime. I don't know exactly. Maybe the elevator operator could tell you. Yeah, he said it was around 10.30 sometime. He doesn't know exactly either. Lieutenant, I'll answer all the questions you want me to answer, but I, I know you have your job to do. But I'd like to get to the hospital. I'd like to find out how she is. Can't I go over there now? I'd like to get my own family doctor in on this. There'll be plenty of time for questions later on, won't All right, Mr. Nuffield, we'll take you over to the hospital. You don't have to bother, Lieutenant. I can get a cab and go myself. I appreciate it, though. No bother, Mr. Nuffield. We'll take you. We'll bring you back. You are listening to 21st Precinct, a factual account of the way police work in the world's largest city. I left the East 68th Street address and returned to the station house in time to get together papers to take downtown to a citywide meeting of precinct commanders called by the police commissioner in the lineup room at police headquarters, 240 Center Street. There we were informed of the experimental plan for assigning an entire graduating class of the police academy to a precinct which is considered a trouble spot. By adopting the plan, the personnel of that precinct would be more than doubled. The experiment, it was hoped, would show that the crime rate is directly affected by the size of the patrol force on the job. After the meeting, I returned to my command and at 2.20 p.m. walked into the muster room of the station house where Lieutenant Gorman was desk officer and Sergeant Waters was on telephone switchboard duty. Hello, Captain. Sergeant? Oh, uh, how's that, Mrs. Nuffield? Not so good. I just checked the hospital for Lieutenant Gorman. She's on a critical list. Is Lieutenant King upstairs? I haven't seen him since I came in off patrol, Captain. I'll try for you. A little later. Yes, sir. After I sign the blotter. Yes, sir. 21st Precinct Sergeant Waters. You what, mister? Yeah. Yeah. No, the police department has nothing to do with that. You call the Department of Welfare. Well, what does he need? Public assistance? Where are you located? Why don't you go into the welfare center at 154 East 68th Street? That's right, 154. No, 154. They'll take the application there. Yeah, I will. Hey, uh, see if you can get Lieutenant King for me, Sergeant. Yes, sir. Oh, I left a couple of messages on your desk. Okay. Oh, never mind. There he is. Yes, sir. All right, Mr. Nelfield. Right on through there. Matt? Yes, sir, Captain? Wait right there, Mr. Nelfield. Uh, Matt, I understand the district attorney wants five of my men down for the grand jury tomorrow morning on that Johnson case. Oh, does he? Well, that's what Lieutenant Gorman tells me. 
I don't know what they need five patrolmen down there for. Neither do I, Captain. I'll call down there and see what the deal is. It'll leave me awful short here. I'll find out about it. All right. Let me know, will you, man? I sure will. Oh, uh, how is Mrs. Nuffield? We just came from the hospital. I'm worried about her, Captain. I'm very worried about her. She hasn't regained consciousness. We're worried about her, too, Mr. Nuffield. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. You'll, uh, let me know. Yes, sir. I'll check right into it. All right, Mr. Nuffield. Straight through the back there. I really wanted to stay at the hospital. Well, we'll keep in contact with the doctor. I'd appreciate it. He promised to call me if there was any change. Up the stairs there, Mr. Nuffield. Oh, yes. I don't see why it was necessary for me to come here. I told the officers everything I knew. I know you did, yes. The first door on your right there. That's right, Mr. Nuffield. Okay. Goldman. Yes, sir. Take Mr. Nuffield to my office. I'll be right in. Yes, sir. That way, Mr. Nuffield. Whitey, would you get the distance turning on the wire? Find out why they need five patrolmen. In there, Mr. Nuffield. Would you have a seat there? Here? Yes, sir. That's all right. After all, my wife was hurt badly, very badly. The doctor doesn't even know whether she'll live or not. I shouldn't be here. I should be with her. Well... You'll get back to us soon, Mr. Nuffield. You hungry? Can I send out for something for you? I don't know whether I'm hungry or not. Well, there's a pretty good delicatessen around the corner. They make nice sandwiches. Do you like roast beef? I think I'll skip it if it's all right. It's all right with me. I'm sorry, Mr. Nuffield. That's okay. I had something to attend to. Sure, I realize you've got a lot of other things to do. Cigarette, Mr. Nuffield? Oh, yes, thanks. Sorry I've been smoking yours all morning. I didn't remember to buy a pack of my own. That's all right. Thanks. Welcome. Mr. Nuffield, how old are you? 41. How old is your wife? 37. She was 37 in April. And how long have you been married? 11 years. Do you have any children? No, there never were any children. You've been living in New York all that time? Yes. Goldman, would you pass that ashtray over here? Yes, sir. Well, thank you. You said you had been living in New York all that time. Yes, she was born and raised in New York. I originally came from Minneapolis. I've been here since, well, let's see, 1940. You've been getting along all right with Mrs. Nuffield? What do you mean? I mean, is your marriage a happy one? Well, yes, of course. These, uh, these trips you've been in the habit of taking, like the one to Buffalo, they were strictly for business, weren't they? Of course they were. Why else should I go? If there's another reason, Mr. Nuffield, that's what I'd like to know. There isn't any other reason. I don't mind telling you, Lieutenant, I think these questions are getting a little personal. Sorry, sir, but that's what they're intended to be. I don't know why I have to answer them. Mr. Nuffield, your wife was apparently assaulted with that electric iron. She has a fractured skull, and there's a grave doubt whether she'll live. We're trying to find out who did it. You don't think I did it? Is that what you have in your mind? I don't know who did it, Mr. Nuffield. We've got to start someplace. Might as well be with you. While the detective's investigation into the case continued, other business at the precinct went on. At 3.10 p.m., while I was on patrol, a call came over the radio concerning the suicide of a woman who had jumped in front of a Lexington Avenue subway train at the 86th Street station. I instructed the operator of the car in which I was riding to make the run. 
Two RMP cars and an emergency service truck were already on the job. The emergency service patrolman had carried large jacks into the station and onto the tracks to raise the subway car under which the body was pinned. It took another 20 minutes before service on the track was resumed. Then we headed back toward the precinct house where I would turn out the platoon for the night tour at 4. On the way, we passed the apartment house at 781 East 68, the scene of the injury to Mrs. Nuffield that morning. Patrolman Coley, assigned a post there, was standing in front of the building talking to a woman who seemed very excited. I instructed Farrell to stop the car. All right, wait here, Farrell. But this is the most ridiculous thing I ever heard of, the most ridiculous thing. What's the trouble, Coley? Hello, Captain. Trouble? There's plenty of trouble. Captain, this is Mrs. Limwick. Mrs. Limwick? How'd you do? She lives on the same floor as Mrs. Nuffield, the one who was injured this morning. Oh? I live in 9A. She lives in 9D. And I have never, never in all my life seen such negligence. It, it's just astounding. That's all I can say for it. It's just astounding. Mrs. Lenwick. Anything could happen to a person. Anything in the world. And, and you think anyone would care? No one would care. Mrs. Lenwick. That poor woman lying there, just us lying there. Nobody cared. Nobody did a thing. Nothing. Well, the police were here two minutes after the call came in. Mrs. Oh, Lenwick. not the police I'm talking about. The police did fine. If other people would just do as well as the police... All right, Mrs. Lindbergh, let's calm down and see if we can tell the captain about it. Well, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm calm. I've never been anything but calm. But captain, Mrs. Lindbergh claims that Mrs. Nuffield was injured last night, not this morning. Is that so? It is absolutely so. I saw it. saw it with my own eyes. You saw what? Well, you see, I live in 9A and she lives in 9D. Yes. And you know how the building is, is U-shaped when you get off the elevator? Do you remember? Well, well, you go past my apartment, and then you make a turn, and then you go down past hers. Yes, I Well, her apartment is in the back, and so is ours. There's that courtyard back there, you know? Yeah. Well, if you look across the courtyard from my bedroom window, you can see into her bedroom window. Not all of it. You can just see a part of it. That's right. And you saw in her bedroom window last night. Yes, that's right. I saw in her bedroom window. Well, did you see the person that attacked her? No. Now, that's just what I'm driving at. There was no one that attacked her. There wasn't? No. She was standing on a chair putting a curtain up. She was hammering in tacks or something with an electric iron and I... Oh, was she? Well, didn't I just tell you she was? Yes, well, I, I looked out of my window. I just happened to glance out the window and I saw her doing it. I saw her standing on the chair. And what happened? Well, I thought at the time that she fell... And I guess she did. You mean she just fell? She slipped and she fell. That's what it looked like to me. And what did you do? Well, I did what any normal, decent human being would do. I went to the house phone and I got the superintendent on the house phone and told him that I thought the lady across the court in 9G fell down and hurt herself. And what did the uh, superintendent say? Oh, he said he'd send someone up to look. I, I said, be sure now, because I think she really hurt herself. Well, my husband and I went out for a walk, and we came back inside about, uh, about 10 o'clock. It was dark then. I saw John down in the corridor, and downstairs, right there. That's the super, John Healers? Yes, that's right, John Healers. Well, I saw him, and he said he sent the elevator operator up, and everything was all right. So we went upstairs and went to bed. My husband got up and went to work this morning, and I went out shopping. I went down to department stores. They, they have those big white sails on linen, you know. And you just got home? Yes, just now, a few minutes ago. And I heard what had happened. I, I just blew up. I hit the ceiling. You've never seen anyone so mad as me. I, I just hit the ceiling. 
I came right out here and I told my story to this, this first policeman I saw. Isn't that right? Yes, ma'am. That's perfectly right. Can you imagine such negligence? Can you just imagine it? Where is John Helis now? Inside the building? Uh, Lieutenant King called him up and wanted him over to the station house about a half hour ago. That's where he is. Oh, that's the place for him. That is the place for him, all right. I invited Mrs. Linwick to ride to the station house with me. She accepted, and Patrolman Farrell drove us there. We got out in front of the building, and I instructed him to pick up his partner, who had been on the 6-plus while I rode as recorder, and resume patrol. Mrs. Linwick and I walked up the stone steps together and into the muster room. Oh, I have to sign the blotter, Mrs. Linwick. All right, Captain. Oh, Captain. Sergeant. Uh, you wait right here, Mrs. Linwick, and we'll go upstairs in a minute. All right. I'll be right back. Yes, sir. 21st Precinct, Sergeant Waters. All right, 14. Sergeant, what is he signing? The blotter, what's that? That's the record of what's happening in the precinct. Oh. The captain's got to sign it when he leaves and when he comes into the station house. Every time? Every time. All right, Mr. Lenwick, we can go upstairs. Oh, Captain. Yes? That Mrs. Uh, Nuffield. Yes? She died at 3.12 p.m. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. It's too bad. They know about it upstairs? Yes, sir. My goodness me. The doctor down at the hospital called Detective Goldman. He notified us down here. All right, Miss Linwick. Let's go upstairs. That poor woman. That poor, poor woman. She was there all night long and nobody did anything about it. They didn't do a thing. Nothing. Upstairs, Mrs. Linwick. That's awful. Why, she could have been saved. I, I bet she could have been saved. That's hard to tell. That door right over there. If she just had some medical attention in time. All right. There he is. Standing right there. That's him. The huh? evil man. It's his fault. She could have been saved. Matt. Over this way, Mrs. Lindley. Yes, Captain. There you are, you evil man. It's all your fault. What did I do? You're responsible for this whole thing. The woman died, Captain. Yes, I know, man. You are an evil, evil man. Get away from me. I didn't do anything. What do you want from me? Uh, just a minute, Mrs. Linwick. What have you got it down as, man? Apparent homicide so far. Well, it's not. No? It most certainly is not. I saw her fall last night, and I called up him, the superintendent, this John Healis, that man right over here. And I told him that somebody fell in apartment 9G and that she was hurt. You did not. I most certainly did. You said 9J. I looked in 9J. I said G. G, not J. Well, I sent the elevator man to 9J. Well, she might have been saved. She, she probably would have been saved. Well, that's terrible. I'm sorry, Mrs. Linnis. I thought you said 9J. Matt, uh, that's the husband sitting in your office, isn't it? Yes. I was building a pretty good homicide case against him, too. Well, Matt, you better start unbuilding it. Twenty-first precinct, Sergeant Waters. Where's this? Yeah. Yeah. Do you need an ambulance there? Now, which car was involved? Do you know? Who's hurt? And so it goes. Around the clock, through the week, 
Every day, every year, a police precinct in the city of New York is a flesh-and-blood merry-go-round. Anyone can catch the brass ring. 